NFL free agency. Oh, there goes the intro music. Let's enjoy this. Enjoy the music and we'll see where we go from there. We'll get that right. Uh, but, Jack, you here? Hey, Travis. How you doing? Hey, had me a little worried there calling in a bit late. Or maybe you didn't call in late. I don't know. Uh, but glad to finally talk to you. Jack and I go way back to the last NFL season, members of the Skill Zone writing crew. How have you been? Good, man. Uh, I've just been looking at the uh, 2014 free agency list, and I think it's kind of crazy that some of the most exciting uh, – Moves back then were Eric Decker and uh, Emmanuel Sanders, just kind of compared to what we're going through with this free agency. I know, man. I was trying to prep for uh, the baseball podcast I did last night, and people kept coming over to me saying, like, can you believe this just happened? Can you believe? I'm like, guys, I need to focus on baseball. But tonight, right. I'm, to- I'm totally into the NFL. I got to talk to somebody about this. I'm a huge Giants fan, uh, so I'm either completely – scared out of my mind about what Chip Kelly's doing or loving every second of it. Do you think he has any idea what uh, what he's doing? Ooh, uh, just when I think I have an idea, it uh, completely kind of changes. Um, my initial reaction was that he was just kind of making salary cap room for uh, to get Jeremy Macklin to stay for Marcus Mariota, and then you know, Macklin's gone, um, Sam Bradford comes over, and everything's just kind of thrown out the window. Um, I think for Eagles fans and, unfortunately, for Giants fans, if Chip Kelly was able to do uh, what he has done with guys that weren't necessarily his guys, uh, it's going to be crazy to see what he does with players that he actually wants and that he brings in. Yeah, but do you really think Sam Bradford, because I have absolutely no faith in him to run a spread option, uh, and – you know, they had some threat of running with um, at least Foles seemed sort of mobile. Sam Bradford, I just don't get it. I don't see the fit. But Yeah, like I don't – it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense, but Bradford's kind of a system guy. And, I mean, we've seen it with uh, Vic when he was been able to be on the field, and we've seen it with Foles that as long as they can just kind of stay healthy and stay on the field, they kind of fit into uh, – what he's trying to do. So he obviously sees something in him. Um, something interesting I saw, though, and it kind of clicked in the back of my mind was that maybe he was just trying to get uh, Bradford in to trade him. And he actually said at a press conference today that somebody offered him a first-round pick for Bradford. So I don't know if he's oh, doing God. crazy stuff like on draft day with uh, Kevin Costner, but, yeah, there's there's something going on there. See, that's the stuff that worries me. Like, I could see in three years the Eagles being the most dominant franchise, like, and every move Chip Kelly made works out perfectly. And then they just own the division for a decade. And that's going to kill me inside. So I'm hoping this blows up. But I get what you're saying with Bradford being a, a system quarterback. The, the Eagles don't really – they're all, they're quick offense. They're moving the ball. Bradford's an accurate guy. I think he could get the ball out. But who's he going to give the ball to? Uh, Ryan Matthews is – I have no faith in him to hold up. Um, I heard I heard they might be looking at DeMarco Murray, try to get the old Oklahoma backfield back together. Have you heard anything about that? 
I heard, um, and I heard, I think Ian Rappaport said by Wednesday, DeMarco Murray's going to make a decision. So, again, that's something, it just seems like a lot of mouths to feed with uh, Murray's there, Matthews, uh, still Darian Sproles running around, and Chris Polk is still there. So, I mean, he has some kind of vision, but like I said, it's still just kind of difficult to see everything. So, it's like you said, too, it's either going to be, you know, the the next coming of the great dynasty, or it's just going to completely fall apart, and everybody's going to say, you know, what the hell was Chip doing? Yeah, I'm trying to play it cool on the surface when, like, the Eagles fans come up to me and say, like, oh, are you happy we traded McCoy? Are you happy Mashman <laughs> didn't sign back? I'm like, I am. But secretly, I'm, like, terrified that somehow Chip Kelly just, un- like, it's like the matrix for him. He just sees how everything works, and he knows if he gets these guys in, his offense will be unstoppable. And the Giants cannot handle a quick offense like the Eagles and that scares the crap out of me but who knows I mean and it's only been what a day and a half of free agency and uh, right and I, that's, that's one of the funnest parts I think about this too though is just kind of speculation about everything and definitely looking in fantasy terms what could be what might be I think that's definitely just one of the funnest parts of everything yeah I think so too uh, I mean I think McCoy or LaShawn McCoy you know moved out of the Eagles moved to the Bills what do you think his fantasy value is going to look like? I mean, I think obviously it's going to go down because that insane Chip Kelly offense, they're moving the ball. But the Bills look pretty, like a pretty uh, formidable opponent last year. I think he might be able to put up more points than people are thinking. Yeah, the, they're kind of up and coming. I like their defense a lot last year. Um, and I actually have an article on our site, so-called Fantasy Experts dot com about the fantasy football implications of Sean McCoy's trade. And what I really wanted to look at was just sort of Rex Ryan's, uh, you know, kind of how he liked to run things. Like, obviously, he has a big reputation as being a guy who just loves to run the ball. And from all the data that I uh, researched from 2009 on, I mean, there's some crazy numbers. Just in his first year with Thomas Jones and Sean Green, they did 439 rushing attempts with just those two guys. It's wow. 16 rushing touchdowns, uh, over 1,900 yards. And even if you look at the past season with Chris Ivory, he had 198 rushing attempts, and Chris Johnson had 155. So he's definitely going to feed him. And I, I still like him as a top 10 back right now. I think, you know, kind of have to see how the draft unfolds and everything. But uh, the only thing that kind of worries me is the quarterback position and thinking that they might put too much on the McCoy and he either gets overused or gets hurt or something like that happens to him. Yeah, running backs are tough. Especially those first-round running backs are tough to uh, call. With either, I feel like they either have phenomenal seasons and just carry your team or they get banged up, nicked up, play 10 games. and you, If you had them for the whole season, you'd win. But if McCoy gets banged up, that's really going to hurt his value. Um I want to thank you for bringing up Sean Green, everybody's favorite underperforming <laughs> running back. That was it's always fun to hear about him and how many seasons of mine he's ruined. But and Chris and Chris Johnson recently up the drive by shooting. I hope he's okay, but he also has ruined many many of my fantasy teams. So uh, I'm Might glad. As well, yep. <laughs> oh God, he's such a curse. I really I really do think he's cursed in some some aspect of it. But hey. I hope he gets better. I hope he just doesn't ever end up on my fantasy football team again. Uh, I think another interesting aspect of this whole, you know, free agency trade. First of all, what were these two days that the NFL is complaining about the tampering? Because I'm kind of confused with this. Do you do you understand what happened here? 
Uh, you know, not exactly either. I need to look into it a little more. But, uh, yeah, I want to be a go-to person on that. It just seems very weird that, like, Sue got or announced he was signing. And uh, I don't know if the Jimmy Graham trade came out at this time. But I think the maybe Julius Thomas. There was another one, another trade or signing that came out in, like, that. Oh, Frank Gore. The Frank Gore signing came out in that. Saturday, Sunday, Monday before free agency started and league moves could be ha- like happening. It just seems mm-hmm. weird to me that there's this like two days where it's like you can sort of, you know, talk to free agents, but you can't really. I don't know. I don't know what the NFL thinks, but anyway, speaking of Sue, uh, how how high do you think the Dolphins' defense now climbs, or or do you think it do you think it doesn't matter enough that uh, they're now like a top defense, like a top three defense? Were they still in that second tier kind of thing? Uh, maybe in the second tier. I think, you know, a lot of the times, like, the defenses, people want to learn the, uh, I guess, the sleepers or whatever. But for fantasy football purposes, it's just kind of like a crapshoot. Like, I think he does help them. And they got some young guys, and they're trying to bring in some people. But until they really get out in the field and get a rhythm and – we learn more from training camp and the preseason, stuff like that, and people are able to stay healthy, which is one of their issues. Um, it, we It's just speculation, kind of like everything else. But defenses are especially hard to try to figure out, especially at this point in time. Oh, yeah, incredibly. I couldn't even figure out defenses three games into the last season. That <laughs> like, the, like the Bills and the Dolphins we're talking about now, they sort of came out of nowhere. I would have never thought the Bills would have been so good at defense, and I would have never thought – the Dolphins, for a while there, were top five, I think, in points leagues and defense of, and just in, in just scoring. But I'm also interested to see how that AFC East sort of develops now for like a fantasy offensive perspective. I mean, nobody really has great weapons in the AFC East. I guess McCoy is probably the best. But thinking about what Tom Brady has to face now with Revis going back to the Jets, Sue and uh, Miami and that Buffalo defense. Uh, it's hard picking Patriots players, and I think it just got even harder. What do you think? Yeah, I agree, and I think one of the more interesting things I heard was Kevin White was uh, if he could fall that far, he could go to the Patriots, and I would love to see him with Tom Brady. But Tom Brady, he gets it done every single year, but just uh, we know he's going to pass it to Gronk. The running game's kind of up in the air right now, and you know, Edelman can be he's serviceable here and there, but he's not really like an elite option. So the Patriots offense is just overall it's just kind of tough to figure out for fantasy purposes. Um, but I think the competition, kind of like you're saying, it's definitely increasing and it's becoming uh you know becoming a stronger division. It's not just going to be the Patriots are going to be the clear favorites every year. There's going to be some other teams that make some noise like the Bills. I really, really am hoping that. The Bills, or uh, I would love it if the Bills could overtake the Patriots this year. Just to see the, I love the Rex Ryan uh, personality, and I love his dynamic with Bill Belichick. And if they could somehow topple that Patriots regime, oh my God, I would love it. Are you? Who's your favorite team? Are you a Patriots fan? Because this is going to complicate things if you're a Patriots fan. No, I'm not at all. No, <laughs> I'm a Ravens fan. Okay, well, Raven. Okay, Ravens fan. You just lost Nada. How do you feel about that? We gotta just go with the phrase. Uh, we trust our GMs, basically. We trust, you know, the decisions are uh, are being made right, kind of like the Chip Kelly kind of stuff. Um, 
we we're a competitive team every single year, and we're stockpiling a lot of draft picks. And it hurts to see Tory Smith go. Uh, even though Jacoby Jones wasn't like a major threat on the offense, it kind of hurts to see him go. We're going to need to play him in the return game, and just a guy who can kind of make the plays. So it's just going to be like a lot of waiting. And I was kind of hoping they would go after Andre Johnson, but that didn't happen as he's a new member of the Colts right now. So I'm just kind of still waiting to see what our plan is. And unfortunately, it kind of looks like a lot of it's going to be through the draft, which means it won't be an immediate fix. But overall, it will be good for the future. Yeah. Ozzie Newsom has to be one of the better GMs at pulling rabbits out of his hat and finding talent where most others wouldn't look like um who's that parnell mcphee i think defensive mm-hmm, I guess, McPhee, defensive yeah. guy for you like he came out of nowhere and the way they utilized him and just developed him i don't think a lot of other teams would be able to pull that off right. and cj mosley too that was a great pickup yeah at least cj mosley has a pedigree he's from alabama right that's who i'm thinking yeah yeah um so many of those Alabama guys that they like come in don't really produce. Uh, who's it? Kirkpatrick on the Jets. Mc, McLean is now on the Cowboys. We had a resurgence year last year, but I, I'm not a huge save-in guy. I think those that those teams are so stacked that those defensive players don't turn out as well. But anyway, defense isn't they, they help in fantasy football, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk offense. You said Andre Johnson a minute ago going to the Colts. Uh, how high do you think that Colts offense can, you know, rise in the tiers of elite offenses? You think top five? You think Andrew Luck? I mean, he played great last year with like nobody around him besides T.Y. Hilton. What what can we expect from uh, Andre the Giant? And it's interesting you say that too because I was looking it up and the Colts actually finished surprisingly with the first uh, ranked pass offense. So with more weapons like Andre Johnson and. Uh, I was actually looking at Dante Moncrief as somebody to kind of step up in um, 2015, but I think Andre Johnson kind of hinders that a little bit. But uh, especially with Gord and his blocking ability too, I think Luck's going to have a lot more time to be able to throw. And I don't know if that's actually going to cut down on his ability to kind of scamper because I don't know if people realize how much he's able to add with his uh, kind of rushing yards and rushing touchdowns into things. Um but I think kind of sky's the limit pretty much. This could be a case where Johnson and uh, Hilden finish each as top 15 receivers. It kind of kind of be a poor man's version of the Packers offense with uh, Cobb and uh, Jordy Nelson almost. Yeah, I think it's interesting you talk about Andrew Luck, uh, his running ability, because he came out with Griffin, RG3, and Russell Wilson. Everybody thinks of them as what, running quarterbacks, but he's had – four or five rushing touchdowns, I think, every year he's been in the league. Uh, actually, okay, he had three last year. I'm looking up his stats. Four of the year before that and five the year before that. And he's getting you about 250 yards on the ground. That's a lot of extra fantasy points people people might miss out on. But It definitely adds up. I know, especially those goal line, those goal line touchdowns are a nice... Uh, Nice little cherry on top of a Sunday when you see an your quarterback throw for three touchdowns and he just sneaks in that six points from a one yard one yard out. I do think Frank Gore might take a little bit of that away, but I think that might help the passing offense. Um, 
And do you think they're going to miss any beats without Reggie Wayne? He's been there so long. It's kind of the the mayor of Indianapolis. How do you think that they fill that? Do you think Andre Johnson just steps in, no problem? Yeah, I think that's pretty much what's going to happen. It, I think Gore is, you know, one of the biggest pieces of this. He's just going to give him more time to throw. But when you have all the weapons like Andre Johnson and uh, Dwayne Allen being healthy and Kobe Fleener was his uh, college roommate, didn't play with Luck in college. So he has a lot of people and just kind of a lot of security blankets and different uh, different kind of formats. So I don't think they'll miss out too much on him this year. Yeah, I did see a story that said he uh, wanted to play one more year and then possibly retire, which makes me feel kind of bad for the guy that he played his whole career in Indianapolis. And uh, I wonder where he's going to go. Is there a market for Reggie Wayne at all? Do you think? Uh, I mean, Steve Smith got picked up last year. You think uh, Reggie I Wayne think it has home? to be. Yeah, I think it has to be the right fit because I think it has to be. It's maybe more so the right fit for uh, Reggie Wayne than anywhere else. I don't think he's desperate, and if he just retired as a Colt, I think he'd be fine with that. But if he finds a team, a championship contender, or a team that's looking good, he might just do like a one-year contract just to kind of see what he can do. you think there's any chance Bill Belichick tries to stick it to the Colts one last time and brings in Reggie Wayne? <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, yeah. <laughs> see, I personally, uh, again, giant fan, I'm a little worried about the Shane Vereen signing simply because he might be a like secret agent sent by Bill Belichick to destroy the Giants from within, since they are the only team that has beat them in Super Bowls. I'm a little weary. I feel like that Patriot mindset might have seeped in. But the team they beat in the Patriot or the team the Patriots Patriots beat in the Super Bowl. Seattle Seahawks made a pretty big move there with Jimmy Graham. How do you see that working out? I don't think he's going to have the yards just because uh, Russell Wilson, he, he's one of the few quarterbacks who can, he can accurately judge um, when he should take risks and kind of when to run the ball and stuff like that. I think he's going to be a huge, uh, you know, obviously a huge target in the uh, in the end zone, but I just don't know if it was an overreaction to what happened in the Super Bowl. If they just said, oh, well, if we had Jimmy Graham on the one-yard line, you know, he would have caught it, we would have won. So that's what I'm kind of thinking. I think his value is going to take a little bit of hit just because I don't think he's going to have those yards. A lot of people have the impression that the, uh, the Saints offense, that Drew Brees like to spread the ball around and, you know, this or that, but – that really wasn't the case. Like, it just went to Graham most of the time, and then anybody else who was open, he would basically throw to. So I think it takes a knock on his value. I don't think it knocks him out of the top five, but I don't think he's going to be, like, the first or second round uh, pick that he deserved to be in the past couple of years. So are you thinking he'd be, he's not falling out of the top five overall or just top five tight ends? He'll be in the top five tight ends. As far as anything else, uh, it's going to be tough. Like, I, I, I just don't see the yards being there. Uh, the touchdowns to 12, but I just really think he's going to take a huge hit in his yards. Yeah, he was such a good goal line threat, too, for the Saints. And I, I feel like Marshawn Lynch is going to get a lot of goal line touches this season uh, after how things sort of fell apart in the Super Bowl. I don't know. It's a tough... It's a tough marriage, in my opinion. Well, what I kind of worry about, too, with Graham's value is, or not Graham's, but Russell Wilson's, is they just try to turn him into a Colin Kaepernick and just make him 
throw more because they're like, well, we have this, you know, big expensive weapon we just got. So, I mean, that could negatively knock Russell Wilson down a little bit. I hadn't even thought of that. That wouldn't be the worst thing because I'm not a huge Seattle Seahawks fan. <laughs> but, for fan but for fantasy value, I think it's really interesting to see because uh, Marshawn Lynch sort of was peaking towards the end of the season. Um, that one run he had against the Arizona Cardinals cost me a championship, a heartbreaking championship. And Jimmy Graham sort of fell off. So I'm interested to see how how they sort of deploy them when the season starts. But I think, I don't know, it just, it just was a trade that sort of caught, caught me off guard. I can't believe the Saints would move on from, like, arguably their second best player. And they might only have two or three good players on that offense. How do you think they uh, recuperate now that they're without Graham? So they re-signed Marquise Colston. Uh, they have Brandon Cooks. He's a young guy. And I actually, Kenny Stills was actually, he had a, quietly, he had a good season last year. I'm pulling up the stats on him now. He, what did Kenny Stills do? Uh, he had 931 receiving yards. And even though his touchdown, that's kind of why he stood uh, under the radar was because he only had three touchdowns. But he was averaging 62 yards a game. So with, um, with Graham gone, and Ingram isn't necessarily the uh, biggest pass-catching back, uh, there might be you know, some room for, for Stills to find his way into the top 20 wide receivers next year. Yeah, I like that pick because I think, uh, I mean, Colston's, what, 34, I'm saying? He's been in the league 10, 11 years, so I think 34 is probably a good guess. Uh, but I think they're going to have to start to phase him out at some point. Cooks seems like a great slot guy with that speed. Uh, Kenny Stills might be that next big play threat. That I, I feel like the Saints haven't had that in a long time. They've always had those four or five random wide receivers who were fast straight line uh, and straight line speed. But I think Kenny Stills could do it. Um, I'm interested to see how long Drew Brees hangs around now, though, because it looks a little bit like maybe maybe they're thinking rebuild. What do you think? They obviously have to eventually. He's 36 right now, so he obviously can't play in the NFL forever. Um, they don't have a huge support support system behind him now with uh, Luke McCown and Ryan Griffin as his backup. So even if they don't want to face the reality, they you know they're going to have to. We saw Peyton, whether it was his injury or you know just age last year, he was definitely hindered and. In that final couple of seconds, he couldn't even chuck the ball down the field. So I think I think Breeze is a guy though he'll realize kind of when it's time to hang it up, and uh, or he may be forced out. I don't know. We'll just have to see what what kind of transpires there. It is pretty interesting with him because I feel like his career could have ended in San Diego with that shoulder injury. Could have been an elbow. I think it was a shoulder injury. Um, and he's played for so many more years at such a high level. It's going to be weird when they have to hand it over to uh, McCown. You don't have any faith in the McCown magic that uh, to carry the Saints? Come on. They're, yeah, they're, 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 the, they're <laughs> NFL royalty. And then uh, where did Josh end up? He uh, went to Cleveland, right? Yeah, I think he – no. Oh, yeah, I think he went to Cleveland. He didn't go to Buffalo. And then I saw the Jets. All right, well, while we're on the topic of this, because I'm going to confuse myself – why don't we just go through some of the quarterbacks who have moved teams? Because, like, I can't keep track of it. I know Fitzpatrick, I think, just went to the Jets today. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. 
All right, so you think he beats out Geno Smith or what? Depends how, uh, I guess if the new organization wants to set itself apart, they're going to, I, if they were smart, they would put Geno in. They'd see what he had. Uh, and I'm a WVU alumni, so I'm a little biased here. But I think he just needs a little more time. And it, we know what Fitzpatrick can do. It doesn't make sense not to just give Geno another chance. Uh, they're, you know, they're rebuilding the organization. And it, it just doesn't make sense not to give him another chance. I got to be honest. Uh, I've living in New York. You see a lot of Jets games, and sometimes that's terrible because they play the like it's a Raiders Jets game and one o'clock, and it's the worst thing to watch ever. I'm sorry, Raiders and Jets fans, but it's true. But a couple of those games, Geno Smith looked pretty. I don't want to say great, but he he looked like he could handle himself. He could run an offense. I just think sometimes the moment gets away from him. Tries to do a little too much. Um, I don't know. You were you in school with Geno? Did you? Uh, See any of his stuff oh, well, yeah, I did see him, and when he had said, I think he just needs a go-to guy. So I don't think Decker is necessarily that, but maybe with Brandon Marshall there, he could be that. So I think that will. I think uh, Marshall might take a little bit of a step back with Gino, though. But I think Gino himself could improve with having Marshall, and he's going to have uh, Decker still there, and he's just going to have more options to throw to. It's not like he had a ton of people to throw to last year. Oh, yeah, it was pretty terrible. I, I also think it's a confidence thing. Uh, I remember watching those highlights from him when he was in college, and he was just running around like he was the man. And I feel like when he came into the Jets, there was a lot of doubt that he could even hang in the NFL. And I think some of that might have, you know, gotten his head a little bit, and he might be trying to show some people or show off a little bit to some people that he could have, hang in the NFL. But the Brandon Marshall thing I think is pretty interesting. I think – it's kind of strange, first of all, that teams sort of keep moving on from him every, like, three or four years. But Geno Smith's got a big R. Brighton Marshall likes to go deep. That seems like a marriage that could uh, last for a couple of years, right? Yeah, as long as any – there's got to be some locker room stuff. And that's the only – like, in the NFL, if you have talent, you're going to be able to play. So the only reason if you keep leaving places is you got some issues with your teammates or the coach or just something's going on behind the scenes that's – not letting you coexist with everybody. So I think in the later part of his career, maybe he'll be a little more uh, reflective and maybe handle things just differently as a veteran receiver and just being a little older. And as long I mean, as he can just kind of just gel with everybody, I don't see why he can't have a productive career there. Yeah, that Bears situation seems pretty uh, turned pretty toxic towards the end of last season with everybody hating on Cutler, everybody hating on Mark Trestman's offense. Everybody hating that they didn't give Matt Forte the ball more. But maybe this new – and he has a pretty big personality. Maybe this New York thing, he rises to the occasion. He's, you know, getting his face out there in a good way as opposed to some of this, like, tabloid stuff. But a lot of players have been signed so far. Who are your uh, – do you have any guys that you think um, are sort of waiting to sign that you think, depending where they go, could be big-time fantasy Producers, I know you said you had a few lists you were putting together. Yeah, the kind of so the running backs I'm still waiting for to see TJ uh, Spiller, and it's funny because a lot of these guys are just either a little bit older, have injury issues, or are seen as injury prone. But in a fresh start, and if they're healthy and in the right offense, they can 
still produce. And why I kind of like them is that they're going to be cheap picks in uh, fantasy drafts. People are just going to want to give up on them and or already gave up on them, basically. But uh, C.J. Spiller's a guy I think would be interesting. Um, Reggie Bush, he's as long as he's on the field, he's productive. So he just has to stay on the field. Um, I heard the Patriots might be a landing spot for him, so that'd be pretty interesting to see. And kind of. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's kind of, I thought it was kind of strange that the uh, Lions were just so eager to get rid of him. I guess it might have been a cap thing, but I thought at least last season and the beginning of this season when he was healthy, he added a nice, you know, path-catching threat out of the backfield that they kind of lacked. But, hey, if he ends up on the Patriots, I'm sure that'll work out perfectly like all their moves do. Yeah, and also Stephen Ridley is a guy I'm keeping my eye on, too. I know he kind of had his fumble issues, but uh, he's a strong runner, and he had a good season was like about two years ago, and I think he can still do that, but when you get benched every single time you fumble the ball, it's going to mess up your confidence, obviously. So he could just be a player who just needs a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, I remember uh, watching oh, – what's his name? I can't even remember it now. Uh, he was the Virginia Tech running back on the Giants that fumbled his first carry and then had the neck injury. How am I blanking on this? Was it Andre Williams? No, no, no. no. It was the guy before him. Oh, my God, this is going to kill me. I'm going to look it up while we keep talking. Okay. Um, but I've watched him as uh, his career start the Giants, and he fumbled like the very first game against the Packers, or not the Packers, the Cowboys, and then kept fumbling, kept fumbling, and that just gets in a guy's head. And Coffin's sort of that tough-nosed quarter coach, just like Belichick. Um, so I, I could see how maybe moving somewhere where people don't just automatically think you're going to fumble the ball every time could help. Uh, oh, David Wilson. That's it. That's right, yep. That, that would have killed him. All right. Uh, but you didn't say anything about Justin Forsett, everybody's favorite, um, you know, waiver wire pickup last year. You don't think yeah, he is? I hope we get him back. I know he's a little older. Um, I really don't know where he would go at this point, just because I think there are a few more talented guys ahead of him, and there's some younger guys ahead of him. Um, but I think maybe in a committee role he might be good, but I think he'd be a good fit just to stay in Baltimore. He won't. I don't think he'll do what he did last year, but I think he's still, uh, he's still going to have some value somewhere. Are there guys, um, like you said, he could do a committee role. Are there guys behind him in Baltimore that you think might break out or have some potential there, or they suggest you think they might bring somebody else in? I like, uh, who's the rookie? Talia Farah, the rookie. They might get him a little more involved. Um, I think they've kind of given up on Bernard Pierce a little bit, but, um, yeah, I think as a committee, like, they're just going to kind of ease, ease uh, Talia Farah into it because we – need to establish a future for our running game, basically. So, um, And with other teams, too, he, I mean, he can provide veteran leadership. So maybe maybe like Atlanta, he would be a decent fit with some of the young guys there. But I think he, his success next year is just going to be mainly through a committee kind of role wherever he finds himself. Yeah, he really did come out of nowhere last year. I remember when the whole Ray Rice thing took off, uh, people were all looking at Bernard Pierce. And somehow, Brian Pierce fumbled that opportunity, and you know he just sort of took it took it right out of Pierce's hands and ran with it. But I kind of I kind of like him. I think if he ended up 
Um, maybe I would have liked him on the Giants just because he's a good pass blocker, and that's something the Giants are not great at. But, you know, I think he's got a good future in front of him for at least two, I'd say two more years. But after that, it's hard to predict for running backs. Um, all right, running backs, we went through. Quarterbacks, eh. Wide receivers, you think there's, what about, well, I don't know, who's left here? Oh, Michael Crabtree. Everybody uh, everybody was huge on him last year, thinking that him and Kaepernick could run away with the league. But what, uh, what did you see from him? Yeah, I kind of bought into that a little bit, too. I wasn't, I think a lot of people spent a uh, fourth round or fifth round pick on him, and I honestly thought that was way too early. But I thought he would be able to kind of show the flashes that he's shown us before of why he would be worthy of a fourth round or fifth round pick. He wasn't able to do that. Um, part of it, though, the San Francisco offense was a whole mess. That whole situation was pretty bad with Harbaugh, and I think it was a lot worse at the start of the season than any of us really knew. I heard the Ravens might be a landing spot for him. I think he's going to have to take a cheap deal. Um, there's not necessarily a ton of people left who would be better than him, but I think teams are just going to be wary of just kind of the underproduction. Yeah, I think a lot of teams were waiting to see what happened with Cobb, um, who signed back with the Packers in what I think is probably the best situation for him. You're not going to get to play with Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers anywhere else. You could have ended up on the Eagles, and that would have been tough. Or Macklin, I think a lot of people were probably interested in. He sort of signed pretty quick. Um, I am interested in what happens with uh, Percy Harvin. Do you think he is fantasy viable? Do you think people are going to use him in a way that maybe the Vikings did in 2011 or 2012? Yeah, I think it's interesting just because I think it was just 2011 where he was kind of the most fantasy relevant. Um, I think I heard the Patriots. I think the Patriots, and that's a landing spot for him, but I think the Patriots would be the best spot just because, and maybe not necessarily for fantasy value, but he'd be able to contribute to the return game. Um, and Bilicek, you know, he's not going to tolerate any nonsense, so he's not going to let him get away with maybe some stuff he did in the past. But fantasy-wise, I'm not really putting – I wouldn't put my reputation on saying he's going to do anything next year. I think I saw some mock drafts. He's going in, like, the ninth or the tenth round, which which I think is fine to spend a pick like that on him. But I think you just have to realize that he's more likely going to be a bust than he is going to be a boom. Yeah, it's kind of hard to spend a draft pick on a guy who doesn't have um, a team yet. But I heard the – Again, rumors from the NFC East is that the Eagles thought they might be uh, needing his services, but I don't. I don't see that fit. I feel like Sproles does a lot of that same sort of stuff. I don't see Harvin working um, on the Eagles. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think, especially for the Eagles right now, I think they just kind of need to focus on more pure receivers because Harvin was a guy. And I think in that 2011 season, he rushed for like 300 or 400 yards. Um, so I think people don't really realize that's where a lot of his value came from. It wasn't necessarily all receiving yards. So I think kind of in the Patriots system or I really don't even know what would be another good fit for him, but just something where he could kind of sh- – maybe maybe the Saints a little bit. I don't know, but something where he could show uh, kind of his – dual threat abilities and his capabilities doing multiple things. Yeah, I thought for a little while during the season, um, 
when things were going sour with him on the Seahawks, that maybe he'd go back to the Vikings because he, he played well there. They seem to have like a young core and without Peterson, they could have used like a game breaker. But after watching how they sort of just left Corderell Patterson on the bench, I don't know. I don't think they'd work there either. Yeah, he's uh, his market's kind of dried up, I think. I think he's going to mainly be used as a return man. And just kind of looking at this stuff here, uh, he actually had 342 rushing yards in 2011 so and two rushing touchdowns. So that definitely helped his value in 2011. Yeah, I think a lot of people really got pumped up on that, how well he played in that Super Bowl, returning that kick. And I think he had three or four catches for like 80 yards. He was just nicing, nicing the – Broncos defense into pieces. And I think people thought like, oh my God, a full season of this on the Seahawks, this is going to be amazing. But he just didn't fit. He, he's such a weird, maybe not weird, he's a very unique fantasy player because he's so good at so many different things, but it's hard to turn that into actual fantasy points. Um, right. Yeah, I think unique is the perfect word. <laughs> I think it'd be really interesting to see where he lands because um, that, that's the only way we're going to know how how to judge whether he's going to be a top six-round pick or a bottom six-round pick. But, hey, that's what free agency is all about. All right, is there anybody else we haven't really uh, touched on that you've been sort of thinking under the radar, guys? Maybe maybe not the big guys, maybe just some – like I'm looking here at the, just a list of wide receivers that are still on the market. Uh, I think, see, Pierre Garçon still out there. We've got uh, Jarrett Boykin from the Packers, Kenny Britt. Do you think anybody at the back end of this list might, you know, surprise a few people? Darius, oh, God, I can't even believe I was about to say Darius Hayward Bay. But I think anybody at the bottom of the list, you know, maybe comes in, catches Brian Hartline. Well, he's going to Cleveland, I think. What do you think and about he's the, number, he's the number one receiver there right now. Exactly, right? Like, some of these guys might end up on bad teams. But they might get some production. Who's the Browns? The Browns, we went over this. They have McCown, right? Right. Yeah. That could be interesting. I'm, I, God, I confuse McCown and Fitzpatrick all the time. They're just such like career backups or fill-in year guys. But uh, I think the Browns going to be an interesting situation there with Brian Hartline. See, I personally like Brian Hartline. I think he's a solid receiver. I don't think I want him to be my first receiver. But as a second, or th- for a deeper league, second or third receiver, I, I'd like. Um, Pierre Garcon, what do you think about him? you think he lands somewhere and still has some fantasy relevance left in him, or do you think he's sort of washed up? I think he's sort of washed up, and I honestly, I don't really see him fully leaving Washington. I think they try to bring him back just to try to give uh, RG3 somebody he's used to throwing to. Um, but yeah, he's, he's someone towards towards the back end of the available receivers who kind of in best days are kind of in front of him. And he's somebody who's had injuries too. So I don't think he'll be too relevant in 2015. Um, the other people I'm kind of looking at, Mike Williams, he had that one good year in Tampa Bay. And he's obviously a talented guy, but couldn't he stick around in Buffalo? So yeah. maybe maybe third time's a charm for him. But And then who else? Kenny Britt. He's another guy who has the skill set and the talent, but he just can't make things stick. So I think he's going to come back to the Rams, and that could be interested with him in folds if he does come back. Yeah, I 
I can't believe we didn't talk about that yet, but I think that Foles starting quarterback for the Rams now makes things a lot more interesting with Tavon Austin and Stedman Bailey than when they just had who who was it, uh Sean Hill last year? I don't even remember their backup quarterback or their third string. But um how do you see those West Virginia guys taking to a quarterback who seems to be in the upper echelon? Yeah, I think the only thing with Tavon Austin is they still don't really know how to use him yet. Uh Stedman Bailey is a good guy though. Um and I think I think the Rams are just kind of finding themselves, which is good because they have Trey Mason and Zach Stacy just completely falling off the face of the earth it was kind of weird last year, but I don't know what went on with that exactly. But I think their team is just kind of finding themselves and coming together. And uh, obviously, yeah, Poles is a is a big upgrade for them, and it'll be interesting to see if he kind of zones in on one guy and kind of makes him fantasy relevant. I think it's also going to be. Um, interesting to see how people, how he falls in mock drafts or just actual drafts. Um, since he was sort of the person that people, everyone, everyone was focusing on who Chip Kelly was bringing in. I don't think a lot of people really talked about like what the Rams got out of it, how that can work. Uh, you were talking about Tavon Austin. I think he's in that Percy Harden mold where people don't know how to use his unique gifts too, because he's so small and he was the running back at West Virginia at some point. But I think, I think Nick Foles might be falling down draft boards just because he's sort of that forgotten guy in the trade. That And he, two years ago, was pretty fantastic. I remember watching him carve up the Giants. He was dominant. Uh, how high do you think he could rise on a board? Top yeah, I think there's going, to be two, there's going to be two issues with him. People are either just going to remember that excellent year and he had like two interceptions or something the whole year and they're going to value him a little too highly without knowing exactly how he's going to be used with the Rams and how he's going to gel with that Uh, and then there's going to be people kind of like you're saying that they were so focused on Marcus Mariota or whatever Chip Kelly was going to do that they just kind of forgot him and they may think he just kind of thrived under the Chip Kelly system or whatever Um, I don't see why he couldn't be a top 10 quarterback next year maybe falls a little bit outside maybe like 11 or 12 but yeah I don't I don't necessarily see why he couldn't be in the top 10 I I like the situation they've got I think with Jeff Fisher as a coach they've got picked up a bunch of draft picks maybe use that on uh some running back help because like you said Zach Stacy fell off the map I think they can you know mold that into a pretty good team where he can sort of grow he only played, what, a year and a half under Chip Kelly, but um, I think he's got some good potential there. I think, and I, I really do think he's going to end up falling down some draft boards. But um, So we got about a minute and a half left here, Jack. Anything else we missed that you you wanted to talk about, the biggest moves, the best moves, your favorite fantasy move? Yeah, give me that. What was your favorite fantasy or your move from free agency with fantasy implication? And. Probably, honestly, Andre Johnson with the with the Colts. I'd love to see what he could do with a consistent uh, consistent quarterback. Um, so he's always been a guy who gets big receiving yards, but I think luck can kind of boost up his uh, touchdown totals. You don't you don't think Matt Schaub was the the peak of his career? You don't think that was peak Andre Johnson? Uh, unfortunately, I think for Andre Johnson it was. But <laughs> yeah, but I think I think his numbers will go up a lot higher too. Um, I think that Frank, I, I can't believe we just keep going back to these Colts, but I think Frank Gore bailing out on the Eagles and going to the Colts, I think that's a 
a huge gain for the team as a whole. And I think for his fantasy value, they don't probably want luck running in all those quarterback sneaks. So giving it to a big guy like that on the goal line, I think, was, would be great. But, Jack, I want to thank you for coming in. Um, why don't you shout out your Twitter handle now while we got 30 seconds left so people can follow you. And, uh, yeah, guys, it's been great. It's your F-F-C-O-A-C-H, your F-F coach. So follow Jack. I'm at the real Travioli. Uh, please follow us because we'd all love to be verified on Twitter. Um, and I'm not yet. Jack, I don't think you are. Are you verified? Not yet, no. <laughs> yeah, see? So help us out. Um, we'll be back next week, probably talking some more fantasy football, maybe some more fantasy baseball. But, uh, yeah, guys, this has been fun. This one ran much better than last night. So take that as a thumbs up, and we will talk to you all next week. See ya. Jack, that was great. That was so much better than last night. I mean, you guys didn't do bad last night.